So let's say that, that you have an OPP cruiser that pulls up in front of your house. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What's it doing there? You're thinking, am I in trouble? <laughs> or I'm saying, you're thinking, uh-oh, has there been an accident, right? Those are the kinds of thoughts you think. Then a, an individual gets out of the car, and you can see that the individual puts on a peaked hat, it's got all the right badges, OPP, and you got the equipment belt, you know, with the pepper spray and the handcuffs and, and the gun. And what are you thinking? This is a police officer. Walks up to your door and the individual says, Hi, I'm the plumber. I've come here to fix your toilet. <laughs> and you say, Something is not right. Is this Wacky Wednesday? And we recognize the value of uniforms and that uniforms are supposed to meet something. Now, we got any farmers? Is that your uniform? Do you carry a pitchfork around? <laughs> yeah? Oh, maybe a little different. But we understand that there is indeed a dress that is appropriate to our particular profession, to our particular work. And not in every case, but often enough that it is jarring were a police officer to show up at the door and say, hi, I'm here to fix your toilet. Does not work, does not compute. And so this morning, what we want to do is to be aware that the passage we are looking at is about putting on the uniform of Christ. Okay? And so we expect that there will be a consistency between the uniform and the reality of who is in the uniform. And really this is a matter of our core identity. You know we've been introducing you to the way of Jesus. Some of you have uh, already enrolled in the training that will begin on February 26. We're looking forward to this opportunity to actually do something more intensive and regular on this. But this really helps us to frame our walk in Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, what uniform are you wearing? What uniform are you wearing? And should you be wearing the uniform? There was a young man who was in an army a long time ago. Some of you will know the name Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great had a young man in his army who showed cowardice. This young man's name was Alexander. And when Alexander the Great was speaking to him, he said, Young man, either you change your name or you change your conduct. And so, friends, when it comes to the uniform of Christ, we either, we either change our conduct or we stop pretending that we are actually followers of Jesus, okay? And so, the first saying of the way of Jesus is, I have begun following Jesus and am depending on the Spirit of Jesus in my journey. 
And following is about identification and purpose. And so we are, in effect, putting on the uniform of Christ. And these are the sayings they are on the back of your bulletin insert, but we want to specifically deal with Colossians because this is an excellent passage that really talks about new life means new living. The third saying is, I am learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. This is a nice handle for you to understand what we are called to in terms of new living. A, B, C, attitudes, behaviors, and character. Here is the verse that was read for us. We had the passage 1 to 14, and we're going to focus on some particular verses. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek to put your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And he is talking, that is, the Apostle Paul is really drawing on the image of baptism. A little bit earlier in his letter, he talks about having been buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God. And so he is talking about the image, the imagery of baptism in which we are illustrating what ha- the transaction that has happened on our behalf and that we participate in through faith in Christ. We are dead and buried in the grave with Jesus. We are dead to self, to sin, and to the world. That's what we symbolize. So verse 20 in Colossians 2 also says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why, as though you still belong to it, Do you submit to its rules? How does that make sense? And friends, you know that I'm talking about the reality that we face every day, right? You probably faced it this morning when you were getting ready. You probably dealt with it when your kids were out of line. Or that you didn't quite see eye to eye with your spouse. Or your car didn't start. Or, or, or. You know what I'm talking about? The realities. But Paul says this ought to make a difference. We have been raised with Christ. We are united with him. And either this is true or it is not. And if it is true, we are to see a different kind of focus. We're to seek heavenly things, to seek to be like Jesus. We are to think heavenly things. We are to think like Jesus and about Jesus, not just on Sundays when you show up to listen to the sermon or sleep through it, but all the time. This is about putting on the uniform of Christ. And we recognize that we have a new life, Colossians 3, 3 and 4. For you died. You recognize that you died? Do you? And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so what's really important is to ask yourself, is Christ my life? Is he or isn't he? 
This is the most important question. Dead to the world and its ways. I've been on this journey since 1964. You figure out what that is in terms of years. It's a long time. And I can tell you it's a process. It is a journey. And sometimes I have to relearn lessons that I thought I knew. And I have to reestablish patterns of being like Jesus that somehow have slipped away. Does that happen to you? Yeah. If you're honest, you know it does. And so he says, your life is hidden with Christ. And I was trying to think of an analogy. And you see, when you have a newly wedded couple, have you noticed how suddenly the, the guys say, hey, I'm not seeing you around as much. Where are you? Well, I've gotten married. Oh, you're hiding out, right? Your life is now wrapped up in your new wife. You see? That's what changes and so when we understand that our life in Christ is like that, that we are out of circulation of some of the things that used to be part of our, the fabric of our lives. We are now wrapped up in our new life in Jesus. Christ is our life, and he may be invisible, but he will appear. And guess what? We will appear with him in glory. I'm looking forward to that. <sighs> Sometimes this life is a drudge. True? Yeah. Therefore, you see, the apostle says, since, since you have been raised with Christ, since you are with him, as Ephesians says, seated in the heavenly places, therefore you have a new way of living. New life means new living. Anyone like cats here? Uh, did any men put up their hands? No. What does that tell you? When you tell a, a, a cat joke, do you see how the men laugh and the women cringe? Yeah. I'm not going to tell any, any cat jokes, but we actually have had an endless succession of cats because my wife, Michelle, loves cats. She tolerates Chevy, but loves cats. Uh, my wife sends her regrets because she was intending to be here today, but I left her sick in bed this morning. So, anyway, it would have been great if she was here. She could have told you all about cats and all about uh, how smart cats are and all the rest. I'm not going to tell you that. All I'm going to tell you, though, is if you have a new kitten, what do you expect that kitten to do? To act like a kitten and start doing things like running up your drapes, you know, other happy things like that, and sharpening their claws on the carpet or on the couch. You're expecting that. Why? Because the life of the kitten is going to show itself in the way that a kitten shows its life, you see? So, we can go through endless illustrations. Uh, when I was in Africa, uh, some 1973, how many years is that? Somebody else do the math, long time ago. Uh, we had these awful things that were called yams. They were like chewing on chunks of maple branch. They very fibrous, not enjoyable. They were our potato substitute. And so my partner and I, his name was Don, if we could ever get real potatoes at the 
European market, we'd get them at the market. We'd enjoy them, and sometimes we'd leave these awful things, and they were about this big and ugly and gnarly and looked like actually branches from a tree, pieces of branch. And uh, so one particular yam was there for several weeks. And after a while, it began to shoot up a stalk straight up. And Don wanted to get rid of it. I said, no, no, let's see how far this thing's going to go. And we had pretty high ceilings in the uh, place where we were living, and this thing shot up all the way to the roof. What was it showing? That it had life, you see. It had life. And so, friends, if we are alive in Jesus, our life in Jesus will show itself. And so, this is how you, we, we see it. Paul says that on the one hand, we're going to put off the old clothing. And what he does is he describes sinful behavior, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And then he continues with the second list, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, and lying. Those are the characteristics of a life that is not in Jesus. And so ask yourself, how do you do? And you might say, well, first one, I'm okay. Second one, I'm not so okay. Third one, but let's recognize that it's both overt actions and what is happening inside us. And greed is described as idolatry here because it is wanting to get what is not legitimate to get. And when we set up an idol, we are trying, as it were, to ma manipulate the god or the gods in order to get. And these are characteristics, but we are told, dump, put off, which means there is a command, therefore God gives us the power to be obedient to a command. Do we get that? Anger, rage. We often deal with this stuff, right, within our own souls. And sometimes we experience that from a joyous brother or sister. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. My first pastorate in the missionary church, again, a long time ago, Pastor Mark. You're retired now? Yes. yes. How many years in ministry? Uh, and you have all the wounds and scars to prove that. Yeah. But <clears throat> I was pastor of a two-point charge. Smaller church was out in the country. Larger one was in a small town. Uh, everybody drove past the small church in order to do everything, their shopping, working, everything else. But when it came time to talking about what the future looked like, and I said, come on, fellas, what's, what do you want to do? Be really two or really one, because right now you're neither one nor the other. There was this codependency that was happening that was not very healthy. So we did a survey, and I asked for responses and I must say, I received more hateful things in that process than I have ever received in my life. My blood pressure went up. I had to deal with how am I going to process, how am I going to minister to these people who've said all these things to me? You know, 
Uh, it sounded like they were accusing me everything short of rape and murder in the process. And so that's where I learned some really, really important lessons. That I need to look past the words that people say. And understand that it's really not those words that are consequential. But understanding that these people are functioning out of fear. Out of fear. Out of a lack of understanding. And so once the Lord helped me to look at that through their eyes, I was better able to respond, and I was actually able to continue in ministry there for a number of years. And praise God, we were able to uh, work through this process. So not in my time, but in my successor's time, it did get worked through the way it needed to be. But let me say that I have adopted the... Uh, practice over the years of not responding immediately to what people say to me. So, uh, Pastor Mark, have you ever received these poison pen letters or these really good advice letters? <laughs> and uh, what, I, what I would do is, and these days it's very often email, my first response is thank you for your email. Let's get together and talk about it. Because, friends, it is so easy to misunderstand one another. Now, why am I talking about this in these lists of not virtues? Because within this anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language and lying, all of that actually happens in this kind of correspondence, okay? By the way, we are held accountable by God. That's why Paul says the wrath of God is coming. So don't fool yourself. If you're hanging on to some grudges, if you're not dealing with your tongue, if you're being dishonest, God will hold you accountable. Actually, I'm pretty happy about that, not because I'm going to get off scot-free, but I don't want to live in heaven if it's going to be just like this. As good as it is sometimes, it is a mess sometimes. Right, Diane? Oh, yeah. And we wonder, Lord, Lord, how am I going to make it through? And so, he goes on to say, dump your prejudices. Verse 11, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I don't think we understand how controversial this is because we live in a multicultural, pluralistic society. But let's understand that when you are living in the kind of society that Paul is talking about, it was so easy to have your prejudices. By the way, do you have any prejudices? Say, yes, that is the truth. When I was on Manitoulin Island, about half the population of the island was First Nations, okay? I was astonished, I was dismayed at how many of our folk held deep-seated prejudices against them. And you can imagine that that made it hard to actually minister and to integrate. And so I'm thankful we had a good partner in someone working on one of the reserves. There are 11 or 12 reserves on Manitoulin Island. But let's understand that Christ trumps, oh, did I say a bad word? Uh, that 
Christ is preeminent over all these categories. Christ is everything. And when you have lost yourself in Christ, when he is the one who you are following, you say, these categories don't matter. It's who you are in Jesus that matters. Does that mean then that we have to do some mental assessing and some spiritual assessing of where we are? Absolutely. And he is not only uh, all, but he is in all. In other words, there are no categories left out. Jesus does not leave out any categories. And I'm thankful for that. I'm tremendously thankful for that. Of course, one of the major categories is what we read about in Acts chapter 10, in which Jesus abolished the difference between Jew and Gentile in being able to accept and receive the benefits of salvation in Jesus. What a blessing we have. So let's dump our prejudices. Let's admit them and dump them. But then let's not just uh, stand there naked. No, we've gotten rid of our, all our old clothes, but let's put on the new clothes. And you have a new uniform of Christ to wear. God is the one who chooses the uniform. There is a dress code, and friends, it is not optional. Please note the items that are listed. Compassion, not optional. Kindness, not optional. Humility, not optional. Am I making my point yet? Yeah? Are you feeling uncomfortable yet? Oh, I hope that God is opening your heart or that your heart is already open. Gentleness, patience. Lord teaches patience and forbearance. You know what forbearance is? When we, we have extra grace required people, maybe you're one of those people, but don't take advantage of it if you're one of those people. And forgiveness. And Paul again grounds it in our understanding that this is about being like Jesus. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There it is. As simple as that. And then he adds one more. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. New life in Jesus is characterized by love. Now, that doesn't mean that you go around kissing and hugging everyone, although I don't mind it too much. Uh, I think I did tell you, though, that I was in Brazil. I was bussed by men pastors so hard that I actually got whisker burn. So I don't recommend that. But, anyway, love is the very nature of God revealed in Jesus and imparted to us. And you say, I can't do it on my own. Absolutely. This is about putting on the uniform of Christ. We have been given a new nature. New life means new living. New life means new living. Life is essential to be, love is, is essential to be like Jesus in our attitudes, behaviors, and character. There you have it. The way of Jesus saying number three. And let's understand that love inoculates us against the diseases of the soul. 
And if we are always getting sick, if we're always getting offended, if we're always getting hurt, if we're always out of sorts, friends, this is the injection that you need. This is the injection that you need. How do I know? Well, Paul, in a different place, describes the nature of this quality of God that he imparts to us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And you might say, yeah, pastor, I know the sermon. Not the point. Have you taken the medicine? That's what the point is. And I want you to understand that, again, Paul is simply reflecting on the realities that he has seen in Jesus. How do I know that? Well, look, I'm going to do a one-word substitute. This same passage, but I put in Jesus. Jesus is patient. True? Yes. Jesus is kind. True? Yes. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. Let's understand that if we say we're following Jesus, these things are true of him. Okay? And praise God, Jesus never fails. So, let's do one more substitute. How are you doing? Can you all see this well enough to read it? Yeah? Then join me. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I am not rude. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. I always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere. I am called to be like Jesus in his never-failing love. How's, how does that fit? Okay? And I say, Lord, by your grace, with your help, in your spirit, in dependence on your spirit, I can do this. And so, friends, if you're here, I assume that you want to hear from God this morning. And so, I ask you the question, do you understand your status in Jesus? Do you understand that he has elevated you into the heavenly places? That you are now one with him? You are in union with him? And let me ask you, do you feel the new life? Is it real to you? Or is it something that you look at through a window? You're a spectator. And then I'm going to ask you more intimately, what articles of old clothing are you hanging on to? I know they're not all gone. I know that. You know that too. And what part of the uniform of Christ needs attention? How about this Jesus love? And so, here is the application. Will you ask the Lord for forgiveness and say, Lord, I've been resisting you. I've been resisting you. And will you ask him for help? And he will give it. What is God saying to you this morning? 
What is God saying to you? Following Jesus is about putting on Christ, wearing his uniform. And we want to see a consistency between saying, yes, I follow Christ, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, and our conduct. When we gather, when we're out in the world, when we're about our business, I have begun following Jesus, and I'm depending on the spirit of Jesus in my journey. I'm learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. Jesus is my perfect example. The spirit of Jesus is my helper. I have new life. I will do new living. The Lord being my helper. Amen. Father, we thank you for your love for us that not only did you transact something that we could not do for ourselves, but Lord, you've transacted something in which we have forgiveness, in which we have new life, in which we have salvation, in which we have all the riches of God through Christ. And Lord, all these things are a reality. And so you give us a command to live differently. And Lord, we have to be honest and say, yes, Lord, I am still on this journey. And I don't want to dishonor the uniform. I want to honor Jesus in how I live. And Lord, you know those places where I'm still struggling, where I'm still immature, where I'm still carnal, where I'm still worldly, where I really, really don't want to. And so, Lord... Thank you for the ability to be honest and to then say, Lord, help. And you have promised that you will help. And thank you, Lord, for the gift of forgiveness, which continues to reap a good harvest in our lives so that today, even when we have fallen short, we have the privilege of a new beginning. And so, Lord, I would pray that right now, perhaps for the first time, that as you will see into our hearts and souls and minds, that, Lord, we would be open before you and say, Lord, yes, I want to show the life of Jesus because I know you love me and I'm learning to love you. Thanks again, O oh Lord, for meeting with us by your Spirit. Amen.